Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Now Science Podcast. This is a special episode where we're going to discuss Nick's reaction to a recent Wall Street Journal article about clinical trials. As always, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nick. So to get us started, Nick, explain to us what this article was about. So this is an article titled, What You Don't Know About Drug Trials Can Hurt You and Your Portfolio. And this was posted on December 25th, so it's very recent. Right. So, Nick, explain the purpose and the service of clinical trials for those who may not know. Clinical trials are a manner or a method of getting really valuable drug safety information and what we call efficacy, how good a drug is at doing what it's supposed to. And we get this information through... um, really controlled environments using you know carefully chosen patient populations um, so this is information is is really valuable for the FDA to approve and evaluate new drugs okay so if you were to give us a short summary about like how clinical trials work and like maybe different phases how would you describe that as short as you can get <laughs> there are generally um, three or four phases of clinical trials. And within those phases, there are sub phases, but general phases are phase one is mostly safety. They want to make sure that before they start giving this drug to patient populations, um, that it's not going to cause any really bad side effects, or at least none that will outweigh the potential uh, benefits of the medication or drug. This uh, phase two, we go into slightly larger patient populations And now we're trying to see how effective this drug is in patients who maybe have a little more severe disease. Um, And then phase three is a wider phase study where um, you're giving it to large patient populations and you're testing for a lot of different outcomes. And you're seeing not only how the drug does and still monitoring safety, but you're usually comparing it to Uh, other drugs that are on the market already. Right. And for those of you who may not remember from the beginning, um, Nick has been participating in clinical trials. Well, I should say Nick has been helping. I'm not just like going going around from trial to trial, just like getting ears sewn onto my chest. You know, he is um, doing clinical research for a few years now at a few different sites um, in a few different um a few different departments departments that, like i've worked explain. in pediatric rheumatology cardiology gastroenterology psychiatry um wound care uh, I, i've been in a variety of different departments so I, I have a fair amount of experience right so after reading this article explain what do you think is misleading about it for me the, the title it sends a really negative um has a really negative connotation to it that what you don't know about drug trials can hurt you. And that implies a certain level of risk to drug trials. Don't get me wrong. Every single drug you start, whether it's approved or not by the FDA, has risks associated with it. That's just the way it is. However, this in particular makes it sound like drug trials are these incredibly risky uh, things that you should almost should never do unless you're desperate. And even the beginning of the article talks about the high stakes for patients. And it's it's really not like that. So what information is given to patients about the trial itself, typically? So before someone 
ever enters a drug trial, and, and this is how it should be done. I understand that there may be places or scenarios where these procedures aren't followed, but in any respectable institution, the process is a patient is identified as an eligible candidate for a clinical trial. They are given an entire form, that's usually somewhere between a 15 and 35 page document on everything they can expect to happen to them in this study. Do they read that? Yeah, we give it to them ahead of time. Um, I've emailed it to patients. I've We've mailed them out to patients. So they have time to look at it and read it before they decide to, to do it. They can talk about it with their families, bring it to the other doctors, talks about okay. um, potential side effects, every procedure we're going to do, how often do they have to come, who's doing the study, why are they doing the study, who can you contact in an emergency. There's all the information you would ever need. Awesome. That's called the informed consent documentation. It's incredibly important that patients read it and then they sign and date it. And then the doctor who's doing the study countersigns and dates it. And the patient always gets a copy of it afterwards. Perfect. So how do people even get into clinical trials? Usually um, doctors or, or people like myself are doing chart reviews where we're going through um, our patient database to see who might be eligible for a clinical trial. We do have, um, at my hospital, we have a medic, an electronic medical record system. So I can run these reports and scan our entire hospital's medical records for patients who meet certain criteria. And then I d- look at their charts. We have approval to do all this. I'm not violating any rules or laws. Um, I'm allowed to look at patient charts for recruitment purposes of research studies. And if they're eligible, I talk about it with the physician. If they agree that they're eligible, then we contact them. Um, Usually, the physician is the first person to uh, initiate the discussion about research. And if they want to learn more, then we give them all the information they need. So if you find eligible patients, are they required to enroll in the study? Absolutely not. Every research study is is voluntary. Um, no one has to participate. Okay, and besides the packet they receive in the beginning, how else is safety addressed during the trials? So most drug trials are what we call industry-sponsored or, or sponsored clinical trials, meaning that there's a pharmaceutical company who is subcontracting us to do the work, and they create a protocol Within that protocol, there are safety measures. So we're constantly monitoring other medications they're taking. They're constantly monitoring any side effects they have, even if it has nothing to do with the study. We've had a report events of someone getting bit by a dog, had nothing to do with the study, but we have to document it. Um, And often there's there's lab work, so people are going to get what's called a CBC, a complete blood count. They're going to get chemistry uh, panels so you can measure their liver, their kidneys. Um, there are a variety of tests that we do to ensure a patient's safety. What happens if a patient needs to leave a trial or no longer wants to participate? There are occasions where a patient maybe has uh, an allergy or some other adverse reaction to a medication. And if that's the case... Then we take them out of the study. The physician um, has the ability to withdraw them from the study at any time that he deems necessary for the patient's health and safety. But then sometimes the patient just might not want to do the study anymore. Um, Maybe some other life event happens or they realize that 
coming in every two weeks for a study is too much, you know, for their personal life. And they just leave. They just leave the study. No problem. So what are some of the major benefits in participating in one of these clinical trials? Usually, I can't speak to every single study, but all the studies that I've participated in or worked on is the pharmaceutical company pays for everything, uh, everything involved with the trial anyway. So any research-related blood draws, any research-related procedures, if you have to get uh, a colonoscopy or uh, MRI or chest X-ray for the study, it's covered. You don't have to pay for it, which is great because this is valuable information that your physician can use even if you're not participating in the studying anymore. Um, and the, the big thing is the drug treatment itself is provided for and covered by the study. We have some studies at my hospital that patients can be on these medications for up to five years. That's five years they don't have to pay for medication. And anybody in America can tell you how expensive medications are, especially uh, medications for inflammatory bowel disease. These biologic medications that have to be infused in, through IV or they have to be subcutaneous injections, they get extremely expensive. So for a patient to be on a research study that you know goes for a year, two years, five years, that is very beneficial. So what are the odds though that a patient actually receives the medication and not a placebo? It really does vary um, between studies. In a drug trial where there might not be another alternative, then it's probably 50-50. If there's, you know, we have one study where it's 80% you're going to get medication, 20% you're going to get placebo. So one in five will get placebo, which is really low. It happens, though. We need to make sure that, you know, we do account for the placebo effect. Because this is a a trial, and, you know, you have to keep that in mind. Most... Uh, drug studies or pharmaceutical studies are what we call double-blind randomized studies, meaning the double-blind part means the patient doesn't know what they're getting and the physician doesn't know what they're getting. If there's an emergency and we need to find out, we can. We can basically do what's called breaking the blind and we just log into a computer system and it tells us um, the person has to be withdrawn from the study afterwards. But if you know they get admitted to the emergency room and it's like, I'm on a drug trial. Well, we need to know what drug they're on, depending on, you know, the scenario. So after reading this article, what do you think the main idea they were trying to get across with this article? Because this really was about um, investing in drug yeah. trials. So the, the real purpose of this article was to talk about um, drug trials in investing. So knowing the drug development process and the the route that the FDA requires companies to go through um, and, and how it might affect your portfolio. And that and that's a really fair argument to make. And most of the stuff that he talks about isn't wrong, right? He, he lists in this article um, the different phases of the trials and what the FDA requires for approval. Um, that's, that's all accurate. So if you're investing in, say, some major pharmaceutical company because you hear they have a new drug in the pipeline well you should know the risks that come with that but you can make that about any investment that you make anywhere well you're explaining to me last night about how that might look when you invest in a company with a new drug coming down the pipeline so explain like one of the possible scenarios that they were kind of warning investors about so occasionally um Pharmaceutical companies will 
develop a drug. And these are usually small biotech companies that make new drugs. They do uh, a trial or maybe they don't have the money to do a trial. So they sell this medication. As soon as they sell that medication, depending on how much they sell it for and to whom, well, their stock may go up or down. And the company who bought it, well, now they have this new investigational product in their pipeline. And now their stock may be affected. But you know, you can you can have a drug go through phase one, phase two, everything looks good, and then it goes to phase three. And of all the drugs that make it to phase three, only somewhere around 30% ever come out of phase three. So you can invest a ton of money in a company. They put a lot of money behind this drug, and then it fails their primary endpoint in phase three studies, and they don't use it anymore. They, they drop that project. So what that means for the company and their, and their stock it's probably, it might go down just because they they lost all this money on technology or a product that isn't marketable anymore. Right. So for someone who doesn't know anything about drug research and this side of big pharma, what is the main thing you want people to know about clinical trials? I really want people to know that clinical trials are safe, right? We're always encouraging patients to go into a drug trial if they're a good fit. We're not just going to force patients into trials. Nobody is going to, you know, prevent you from getting other medical care if you decide to say no to a clinical trial. It's just the physician or the other people working on the study think this is the best option for you. Um, and I really can't stress the safety part enough. And I, I do want to make one addition. When we talked about the chances of getting placebo, there are, are a lot of drugs where if you do get the placebo, they have an op... Um, it's an additional branch where if you get placebo and you do not get better on the placebo, that they have an, uh, an alternate branch in the study where you are guaranteed to get the medication. And a you know situation like that might look like you are randomized to a um, placebo. You don't know this, of course, but let's let's pretend we, we do know. You're randomized to placebo and you go eight weeks or 16 weeks in the study. You are not getting better. In fact, you might be even be getting a little worse. So what we do is we take you off of that and we put you into a different arm of the study where you're guaranteed to get the drug, uh, the, you know, the investigational product. And if you do well on that, then you stay on it. And if you don't do well, well, then this drug wasn't a fit for you and you would come out of the study. But at least we did everything we could. So I just wanted to add that in there. Excellent. Thank you. That was so informative, even for me. I just wanted to give an alternate opinion or viewpoint on this article because I thought the title was a little misleading. Um, and I wanted to talk about clinical trials for a while now, so this gave me an excuse to do it. But that's going to do it for us here. Uh, thank you for everybody for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast. You can visit our website at justnascience.com. You can sign up for our newsletter to get ex additional exclusive bonus content like this. And then you have the option to submit questions or topics for future episodes. So thanks again, everyone, for listening to our first bonus episode. Otherwise, we put out new episodes every other Tuesday. Later, nerds. Later, gators.